Conversations to Enlighten and Heal. I'm your host, KG Styles. Conversations is sponsored by Pure Plant Essentials Organic Aromatherapy. Please subscribe to my KG Styles channel so you never miss a show. Today I'm excited to be speaking with Kaylin Castell. Kaylin is a renowned shamanic astrologer and teacher and co-founder of the Shamanic Astrology Mystery School. Kaylin teaches live events as well as online classes worldwide. On today's show, Kaylin gives a presentation about the turning of the ages and the seventh and final Uranus square Pluto and upcoming spring eclipse season. Most importantly, Kaylin explains what this all means for you. Welcome to the show. Um, oh, after the show, Kaylin <laughs> will stay on to answer your questions. The Q&A uh, window is already open, so please feel free to interact with us during the show. Please join me in welcoming to the show, Kaylin Castell. Welcome to the show, Kaylin. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me, KGI. I'm excited to be here because this is really a powerful, powerful time that we're coming into, and I'm so happy I get to share that with everybody. Yes, and you have a wonderful presentation prepared for us. So, first off, you know, what is shamanic astrology? And how is this form of astrological forecasting different from other schools of astrology? I'm so happy you asked that question. <laughs> um, so this is really a form of astrology that has been brought through by Daniel Jamario. He um, started taking people out on what he called astrological vision quests back in the 80s and really connecting people from with the from the perspective of the land to the sky, teaching people the night sky, and um, realizing that what we were missing was a direct connection. That a lot of astrologers and people who work with astrology know how to read charts, but they don't know what they're looking at when they look into the sky. So it was a way of bringing that piece in. And then the other way that um, shamanic astrology is different is that it really looks at everything from uh, on the chart, on a person's natal chart, as a statement of intent. Why are you here? What mysteries have you come to investigate in this life? And it doesn't, so it's not describing necessarily who you, how you are, or, you know, um, our, uh, sometimes what our judgments can be about how people are, but really what's the intent of the soul, and what's the direction of the soul in the current life. So life purpose, soul purpose, uh, and so every factor except for one is really describing where we're going um, <clears throat> or what the intention is and when we know that and we can uh, make conscious choices to participate with that what we find is that people will experience great magic in their lives as a result They're, they feel more fulfilled um, they feel like they have a, a way of navigating that can really help them um, in these wild and crazy times when sometimes we just have no idea <laughs> uh, of how, how to navigate. So we look at the planets as, as guides, as teachers, um, as, as our support team, and when we understand them and what they're here to help us with, it can be really helpful. And we're going to actually talk about two of those guides and teachers today. Yes. yes, and these are forces operating within us, as above, so below, as within, so without. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and also this is a form of seasonal astrology. It's a Western form of astrology. One of the things that we have really brought in, into understanding and um, are hoping to bring into greater understanding is that it's actually not just seasonal, but but we but we base a lot on the seasonal signs. Seasons meaning that you know the zero Aries point is spring equinox. It's the balance of day and night. Uh, the, the summer solstice is the longest day and the shortest night and that's zero cancer and then we have the other balance point of day and night with zero Libra and then um, zero Capricorn the shortest night and the, I mean the shortest uh, day and the longest night for the northern hemisphere of course it's opposite in the southern hemisphere the seasons are um, are reversed but the, um, our understanding comes from our seasonal experience, but these seasons move through the backdrop of the constellations. And so the reason people are confused is the constellations got named the same names as the seasonal signs, but the, but the seasons kept moving and they're not aligned anymore with the way they were named. And um, so there's, there's, there seems to be a difference between the two. 
but they're actually working together. And so shamanic astrology is really about bringing the two together. What, how does the constellation inform the sign? Um, and so the, so the signs actually evolve over time. In over 26,000 years, every seasonal sign will be with every constellation. And so there's an evolution that's taking place constantly as a result. Yes. So it's an integrated form of astrology. Right. Yeah, integrating yes. the, the, what we experience directly. It's a direct experience of these energies and how um, they're helping to support the you know, our soul's expression and our journey through life and knowing what time it is and um, collectively and personally because it can be really helpful to know. Yeah. So. so another thing that distinguishes you is that it's a whole house form of astrology, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, we do use the whole sign house system and uh, that actually started in 1999. Robert Hand, who is a very well-known astrologer, wrote an article for the Mountain Astrologer he was involved in a, um, a research project called Pro Project Hindsight and they were uh, decoding, I guess, <laughs> translating the ancient Sumerian and Babylonian texts, which is the oldest form of astrology um, that is known on the planet of, of written record that we have. And that was the house system they used and he proposed that this was the original house system. So um, what is great about the whole sign house system is it eliminates all the um, crazy gyrations that can happen based on if you're born really far north and big houses and tiny houses and everything just gets equalized and it brings a wholeness mm -hmm. to the chart and I love that because I feel like we're coming into a time of wholeness the t uh, you know our our next evolutionary leap is to return to wholeness and so using whole signs um, house system is uh, just speaking to that process of whole wholeness Yes, yes. So we are in the turning of a 26,000-year cycle uh, of time. So what does that mean from your perspective? I'm going to, um, yes, yeah, so thank you for asking, and I'm going to um, put this up on my screen. So um, part of, just here's the opening slide that just basically says we're going to talk about the Uranus-Pluto square, the spring equinox is coming up in the total solar eclipse, but I wanted to give a bigger picture, a larger picture of what's going on. And so if you see, this is the logo for the Shamanic Astrology Mystery School, and on the outside ring is the signs, the seasonal signs. Um, and you know, it's like here's zero Aries, and that's the spring equinox point, here's zero Cancer, that's the summer solstice point, zero Libra, that is the um, autumnal equinox point, and zero Capricorn is the um, uh, winter solstice point, <laughs> and um, that's this is currently um, with this with the constellations underneath here, where the constellations are currently aligned with these seasonal cycles. So this outside ring is actually moving through, and it, and they move precess, they move backwards. So uh, 6,500 years ago, the spring equinox point. Um, was with the sum, where the summer solstice is now, and the winter solstice point was where the spring equinox is now. Um, so that's one quarter turn. 13,000 years ago, we could say the winter solstice point was where the summer solstice point is. It was a flip, a mirror of what we see here um, on, the, on the cycle. And then, of course, every 2,160 years, these um, points are moving through you know, these constellations, slowly precessing backwards. So the reason we are we look at this is that where the winter solstice point is aligned here between the constellation of the Archer and the Scorpion, um, zero Capricorn point, is on the galactic cross where the plane of the solar system is intersecting the plane of the galaxy. And this can only happen every 26,000 years. And so we are seeing this as the turning of a great age, at, at, at least a 6,500-year cycle, if not the whole entire 26,000-year cycle uh, that's, that Plato referred to as the Platonic year, 26,000 years divided into four seasons, 12 months, um, that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. this, is, this is overarching everything that's happening right now. We are um, really at this r remarkable time, and we're here to be witness to this remarkable turning of the ages. And what's happening right now is that in 2015, 
we've had many, many amazing cycles that have been happening over the years, and I think that always is probably the case at a big turning of an age. Um, so right now, um, on March 16th, we're going to have the last exact Uranus-Pluto square. We'll talk more about that. We're going to have a perigee total solar eclipse within hours of the equinox point. Perigee just means the moon is closest to the Earth, and so it's having its greatest impact. And this is part of a 19-year cycle of the moon, um, and this is all converging around the time of the equinox, which is happening really quickly. So, um, so that's kind of an um, overview. I just here's a, another uh, image where uh, showing the December solstice, the March equinox, the June solstice, and the September equinox. These points, this cross, which is the cross, the seasonal cross, and how it's aligning with the galactic cross. This, um, you know, this is where the plane of the um, galaxy is. Uh, comes through these two points and then these are the galactic poles and it only can be every 6500 years or so that these points will align so precisely with these galactic points and that's happening now and it does last for a while because it's um, only moving one degree every 72 years so if we looked at a, a in you know a 72 year window this came into alignment in um, 1962 and lasts until 2034 uh, we could extend that to a bigger window, two degrees, 144 years, and then we'd have a bigger window. But we have at least that size of a window that we're working with um, to let us know that we're in this time. And then I just put this on a chart so people could see it for people who um, work with charts. The zero Aries point is spring. The zero Capricorn point is winter. Uh, the zero uh, Libra point is fall. And the zero Cancer point is summer. Now. Of course, opposite if you're in the southern hemisphere, opposite seasons um, that the people are working with. So, um, any any questions about what I've covered so far? No, I'd like to. You know, you mentioned uh, the the perigee uh, full moon that's coming up. You know, I want to hear more about that. You know, well, so yeah. I don't. Wanna, I want. I hope you're going to talk more about that. That is such yes, a. I will. We've got this tetrad of. <laughs> The tetrad moon uh, yes. eclipses, which actually that will be um, in April, so we'll we'll talk about all of that. But let's. But the first thing that's going to happen prior to that is that we will have this Uran this last Uranus Pluto square, and this is just the chart showing you. Here's Pluto down here at 15, 18 Capricorn, exactly square, 90 degree angle to Uranus at 15, 18 Aries. And of course, we've also still got Venus and Mars, who were very closely conjunct last month, making a sacred union in the sky. Um, they're still um, they're separating; they're all they're ten degrees apart by now. But uh, they're you know um, you might still be able to see Mars. It's getting low on the horizon, but the Venus is definitely easy to see in the evening sky right now. And then we have this um, South Node in Aries, and um, and the North Node in Libra. And this is significant, and I'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to the whole 19-year cycle of the moon. But what I wanted to say is that if you're a person who happens to have planets, like we've just uh, shown you here, angles, like what's rising, what's setting, what's on the midheaven, what's at the um, um, below the horizon, this, you know, the, uh, what's rising, what's setting is the horizon line, and then this is what's the highest point in the heavens at the time that a person is born, or any chart that we would look at, and then this is what's below the horizon. If you have, um, or, and the nodes, which are the, which I'm, I'm, we'll talk about a little bit more in a moment, anything within 15 degrees to about 21 degrees of Aries, Libra, Cancer, or Capricorn, then this timing is very personal for you. So that basically means that you're you're experiencing this as a personal initiation. Um, and we won't probably have time to talk too much about what that means, but I'm definitely going to talk about what it means collectively, and that will give you a sense of what it could mean for you personally, because it's just magnified uh, if it's happening for you in, in a personal way. So um, just quickly, we'll talk a little bit about the Uranus Pluto Square. I actually do have... Um, a YouTube video that I talked about this last year and um, from 2008 to 2018 Uranus and Pluto are within 10 degrees of each other they make they're making seven exact aspects that began in 2012 to 2015 
and and they're at a 90 degree angle, which is a, you know the the corner of a square here. So um, I put this in so you could see that Uranus and Pluto, and historically these two planets when they are an aspect whether they are square each other opposite each other or together um, have been linked with major change um, a man named Richard Tarnas wrote a book co called Cosmos and Psyche and he's a Stanford um, uh, professor who uh, got his students to do research and go back and look at all the different times that Uranus and Pluto were together in some kind of aspect like I just mentioned and uh, and found that back through time that, that these are the times when major revolutions have happened so the French and American Revolution is an example um, the Great Depression was an example and I have a, a little image here of the billions that were lost as the stock market crashed and then in the 1960s particularly towards the end of the 60s there was a, a Uranus um, Pluto conjunction and that was when we had all kinds of revolution happening people marching and protesting the Vietnam War and so on uh, so uh, and if we look at what's been going on now in 2008 began the economic crash and then in 2011 we began the Occupy Wall Street and then people taking to the streets in the biggest numbers ever seen um, across the planet Egypt, Libya, Syria, Spain, other places I haven't even named them all so we've been already experiencing the effects of this um, since it started really in 2008 so there have been um, there are seven of them there were two in 2012 June 24th and September 19th. There were two in 2013 on May 20th and November 1st. There were two in 2014 on April 21st and December 14th. And then we have the one coming up, the last one, the seventh one on March 16th. And something that's really interesting about this is that in the research that Richard Tarnas did with his students is that a lot of times Uranus Pluto squares, maybe there would be one aspect or three. Three times they might um, be an aspect to each other or one time. Very rarely seven times. So this lets us know that we've been in a very important time, that we've had this happening. We've already had six of them, this is the seventh. And if we think about the chakras, it's like perhaps it's been an activation of the of the seven chakras, seven times that has come together. Um, and this will be the, the final one, March 16th. And then, of course, um, Uranus and Pluto will still be in range for another three years within 10 degrees of each other. So, Can I ask a question? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, I, I also noted, I mean, you follow the, the star, fixed stars, right? Yes. Well, it, it's interesting that Pluto right now is conjunct the star Vega. Yes. And also, the dog star is exactly opposite at yes. 14 degrees Cancer. So, yes. and then we are opposite the North Node in Libra. So we got this grand cross actually activated. Is that? Um, well, yeah. So last year there was a uh, there were literally was a grand cross. It was the closest grand cross in hundreds of years mm -hmm. with Uranus and Pluto, Mars and Jupiter all at 13 degrees of their respective signs that happened. April 23rd I think of last year I think I have a slide on this actually and so you know and and of course anytime the moon comes through Cancer or Libra we've got the North Node in Libra um, then that Grand Cross gets reactivated Activated. Yes. yeah yeah yes. Um, so I feel it I feel it it's, it's strong <laughs> the moon energy has just been amping up for me uh, I don't know if you know if yeah, we're all getting more sensitive so we can feel that or just more attuned to it. Well, and, the, and, and you know, last year what happened when that Grand Cross was exact and the Uranus Pluto Square was exact, um, it was in the, in the an eclipse window. Mm -hmm. So there had been a total solar, I mean, total lunar eclipse that happened just prior, and then there was a total solar eclipse that happened after the exact Grand Cross, uh, which is always an amplified energy anyway. Mm -hmm. And then what we have happening this year is Uranus and Pluto on March 16th will be at 15 degrees of Aries and Capricorn, as we've already talked about. Then we'll have a solar eclipse 
that's at 2927 Pisces. So there's 30 degrees in a sign and 60 minutes in a degree. So this is almost zero degrees Aries. It's only 33 minutes from being exactly at the equinox point. And it goes void, of course, right at right at solar eclipse. Yeah. Right. So like and a breath out. And it's a total solar eclipse. We'll talk a little bit more about yes. that in a moment. And then we'll have a total lunar eclipse on April 5th um, at 15 Libra. And, this, and to have two total eclipses, usually we have like a total solar eclipse and then a partial lunar eclipse or a total lunar eclipse and then an annular solar eclipse or a partial eclipse. Um, so they don't usually come too total together. So this is really significant. And of course, Pluto at the time of the equinox and Uranus will still be within eight minutes of each other. It's pretty profound. Then we're going to have another set of eclipses September. Um, there'll be a solar eclipse, a partial solar eclipse September 13th, and then another total lunar eclipse on September 28th. But we're going to focus our attention on what's happening now because okay. this is pretty amazing. So this is the chart of the um, total solar eclipse, the sun and the moon here at 29-27 Pisces. And um, the, the exact center point of the eclipse is 2.36 a.m. It's not an especially long eclipse that's going to be taking place and obviously won't be visible um, on the west coast and probably not on, much on the east coast. I don't think we're really in the path of the eclipse. The path of the eclipse is kind of the top of the planet. It's like, you know, the the North Pole is where the uh, where it's going to be most easily seen up in that part of the sky, the Faroe Islands, up around Scotland, um, so further north. But this is um, going to happen. This eclipse is happening just 13 hours before the exact equinox. So, um, and then. Also, if we look at, here's Pluto at, at 1521 Capricorn, Uranus at 1529 Aries, they're still within eight minutes of each other. Um, so so this, their effect is still very powerfully fat, uh, felt. And then the other thing that's happening is that this happens to also be a perigee moon. And what that means is that the moon is closest to the Earth in its um, monthly cycle. And the exact perigee or the exact closest approach of the moon to the Earth is just 14 hours before the eclipse, which means that magnifies the intention of all these energies. That um, whenever the moon is perigee, we have the highest tides, um, so it's acting on the tectonic plates of the Earth. I mean, we really feel the effect of a perigee moon. And when it happens with an eclipse, or what happens with a, a new moon or a full moon then it magnifies the energy of the new moon or the full moon and then the eclipse magnifies it even more. <laughs> so um, so here's just a little image of what happens. The, um, whoops, the, my thing is bouncing around a little bit. Ah, okay, so the earth is, um, uh, is here. We see the earth. The moon is between the earth and the sun and it's like three celestial bodies lining up, kind of like the tumblers in a combination lock, opening a portal. So solar eclipses can open portals into new possibilities. And as the moon passes between the sun and the earth, it's blocking the light of the sun. So this means that the sun is literally reborn twice in one day. So we, you know, when the sun rises, it's like we have dawn. Then at a total solar eclipse, the, the moon covers the sun, so the flowers close up, the birds go to sleep, you know, it's like everything quiets down, and then the sun, when the sun starts to come back, it's like there's a new dawn that's happening. Um, so uh, the ancients referred to the sun as a doorway. So if we think about this, the moon is kind of like activating this doorway, opening it into the mysteries, helping to create additional opportunities for personal transformation so that we can live more consciously. It's like a, a, a rebirth, so, you know, a, a twice born yes, in one day. double activation. Yep, yeah. So, um, any questions about that or comments, KG? No, that's very clear. To me, that's very clear. And I, you know, please you know, post your questions. Anything that you'd like to know more about, please just post your questions and after the show, Kaylin will you know, be with us to answer questions. Yes, I, I hope people do because, I, I, of course, I'm going pretty quickly and <laughs> and just giving the essence of this, but hopefully it will inspire everyone to 
really want to take part and be conscious of this time. Set intentions. Hold yes. uh, you know, hold your deepest desires in your heart. Um, I love this uh, statement from Lord of the Rings. And some years ago, I think it was in 1999, there was a um, a total eclipse, and it felt like this. Um, it was in Leo. So I I used this uh, little saying: "From the ashes a fire shall be woken, a light from the shadows shall spring, renewed shall be blade that was broken, the crownless again shall be king." And it feels like eclipses are like that because it is, you know, if I had put these eclipse in, images in here, it's like the the dark. Um, shadowy ashes, and then this light springs, re-springs out of the, out of those shadows, and um, and so then whatever is is needing to be healed and to and to be brought back to its original essence, is I think I feel like that's the opportunity that we have um, at a at a total uh, solar eclipse. So um, hopefully that inspires people to definitely want to, it, it, even though we can't see it, most people won't be able to see it if they're, they're in the U.S. Um, the, or most places on the planet actually, but we can still tune into that energy. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So the other thing to know about this is that this, um, this is the, um, there's a 19 year cycle of the moon. So when you turn age 19, 38, 57, 76, um, and so on, the moon will actually be in the same sign it was at the time you were born at your birthday. So every 19 years the moon is coming back to its original position um, from a starting point. So if you use your birthday as a starting point. So what's happening is that 2015 is beginning a series of March equinox and it's actually going to be solar eclipses, not just new moons but these solar eclipses that are going to be taking place every 19 years. It's part of this 19-year cycle of the moon. So we have uh, a total solar eclipse on March 20th and then in 2034 we'll have another total solar eclipse on March 20th of 2053. An annular, which is like a total solar eclipse, but it, the, earth, uh, the moon is um, further away from the earth so it doesn't completely cover the sun and it leaves a ring of fire around the outside of the sun. Um, and, and then in 2072 there will be a, a partial solar eclipse that's happening. And again, you can see this image of how the sun, the moon, and the earth line up. And what's interesting is that from the earth's perspective, the moon seems to be the same size as the sun in an eclipse because it can cover it completely. And this has to do with how the moon is placed in relationship to the sun because of course the sun is way, way bigger than the moon. <laughs> but it's also a lot further away from the earth and so b based on how that it's set up it's almost like somebody planned it that way right yes. it's not an accident yeah. <laughs> that that can happen and uh, ancient people saw eclipses as as some of the most important things that could happen um, there's lots of myth and lore around them you know the the uh, your your Euroboros, the snake swallowing its tail. Um, the Mayans had the jaguar swallowing um, the moon or the sun um, images and so on. So the so eclipses have been known through the ages to be really important um, times. And um, part of what's also happening as the 19th, this 19 year cycle of the moon is that um, there's something called the lunar standstill. And there's an outer lunar standstill, which happened in 2005 to 2007, and, and, and again, will happen again in 2024 and 2026. And I just wanted to bring this piece in so people could see. If you had a standing stone circle and you were watching the sunrise at different seasons, um, you would see the sun rise behind this stone, you know, over way over here, farthest north, summer solstice point. Um, and um, and then at the cross-quarter point, and then exactly due east and due west at the equinoxes, that's the balance of day and night, and then it's at the cross-quarter point in February, November, and then the winter solstice is furthest south. And so the reason in the northern hemisphere we experience winter because the sun is tracking south or low across the sky, so it's not in the sky as long as it is in summer because it's tracking north and tracking high across the sky. Of course, it's opposite in the... Um, um, southern hemisphere. Well, the moon does exactly what the sun does every. Um, the sun takes a whole year to do. Does every month, 
every month the moon is going through everything that the sun goes through. But there are certain times when it has greater extremes. So the greatest extreme of the sun is to be 23 and a half degrees from east, um, either north of east or south of east, based on the solstice points. The moon actually can reach 28 and a half degrees, or about five degrees out beyond the boundaries of the sun. So it's called also called an out of bounds moon. Um, so it's outside the boundaries of ordinary reality, and um, so that. But then. It, 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 there's a halfway point and it's called the inner standstill of the moon and so that's what we're in now there was one in 1995 to 1997 and then 2014 to 2016 we're experiencing this inner standstill which means that the moon never gets as far out as the sun it's actually only rising um, in, at a point inside it only gets as far as 18 degrees on the horizon mm -hmm. There are. That sounds protective for, to me when you're talking about that. It's almost like we're right, being protected like, like, by the by the sun. You know that energy of the sun, the feminine. You know, there's um, a. Like being is, a is that does that connect at all with? Well, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I feel, it feels like being in kind of in a womb space. Mm -hmm. um, but it's but it's yeah. It's definitely. And this was so important to some cultures. They tracked this with standing stone circles. They could tell yes. when the moon. And it's different standstill points um, at Chaco Canyon, the Fajara Butte. When the moon is at its inner standstill, it lights up this petroglyph that has nine spirals on it in a certain way, um, and so they would know when it was at these different standstill points. And it was super significant to them. We're just beginning to remember, like, what does it mean when we're at a standstill point of the moon? Um, and of course, the times where we'll experience this is when the moon is in the signs of from mid um, Gemini to mid Cancer and from mid Sagittarius to mid Capricorn um, because that's when it's at its extremes those are the solstice points and so um, so that's when we would see that whenever the, sun, the moon is at um, Libra or Aries, it's exactly due east or due west, same as the sun. Exactly due east or due west attracts the sun. When when you were talking about that, immediately I got revelation happens at that standstill. That's when revelation happens, is when there's space. There's that standstill point. You know, and yeah. then you have your intuition, you know, that, that God energy within you uh, speak to you. Revelation. I call that revelation. It's direct revelation and knowing. Can you yeah, relate you know, to that? What I'm. Yeah, actually, I do, and I, I'm thinking. It makes me think of T.S. Eliot's poem, "The um, Still Point," which mm -hmm. is like a standstill point, like a, a a place where it's stopped, or you know, just at its most wherever it's going to be, and that it's like that, you know, at the at the turning point or at that access point into mm -hmm. um, other dimensions and realms and realities and possibilities. So um, let's see. Um, okay, let me just say that um, the so the the t when this can happen is when the nodes the the inner standstill is always happening when the nodes are in Libra Aries, which is where they are now. So that's why we're having the inner standstill, and the nodes of the moon represent the place where the the moon is tracking north or south of the ecliptic, and then the outer standstill happens when the north node is in Aries and the south node is in Libra. And when it reaches the zero point, the equinox points, that's when it's the center point of the standstill. And there's usually a, a you know close to a year and a half before and a year and a half after the exact point that the moon will still be um, moving, you know, moving in those more inner or outer points of you know the furthest out it can go or the furthest in it can go. So um, so this is ha just so happens to be happening. At this equinox point, um, we, you know the moon's not in those signs, but we're but the, the reason we're having eclipses that are starting now is because of where the nodes are, and this, it represents a sorrow cycle, and you know 19 years of of certain eclipses happening um, in the in these signs when the nodes are in these signs. So when the nodes are in um, Libra Aries or Aries Libra, then there's eclipses that will be taking place. Um, and, that, and it just so happens that it currently is now going to align with the equinox, which it has not done for a long time. So it's, it's just uh, something that's beginning. So we're at the beginning of that, which is pretty cool. Um, and, uh, uh, another sort of beginning point, if we think of, of, of us being at the beginning of a 26,000 year cycle, 
and we're also, you know, at Equinox, which is a beginning point, and we're at, you know, this um, beginning point of, equi of eclipses happening at the equinox, and the, and you know this inner standstill of the moon that that takes place because the nodes are in these signs, um, all kind of converges together to let us know that this is a super important time. And then we add to that that we've got Uranus and Pluto in their exact point, and there and actually Uranus is in Aries, which is this you know equinox, the the 30 days after. Um, the spring equinox is the Aries season, and and Pluto, and they're they're about halfway through those particular signs. Pluto's in the Capricorn point, which is the winter solstice, where the all the activity is taking place, letting us know we're um, at a new moon or a new year's point on a whole 26,000 year cycle. So that's pretty exciting. And then just another piece, um, because on April 4th, 2015, we're going to have a blood moon, or it's a total lunar eclipse. Um, there, the third, third one, right? The third one, yeah. We had two last year, and the first one happened right before the Grand Cross and the the uh, all that energy that was going on. That was a wild, wild time. And then, um, and then we'll have one on September 28th. But in the last 500 years, there have only occurred three other times. So it's not something that takes place that often. But it's interesting to see that. You know, 1949 to 1950, and then 1967 and 1968, which was the last time Uranus and Pluto were together, and now we have it happening again in 2014 and 2015. Um, to an eclipse, you know, when we ha when we have a a lunar eclipse, what's happening is we're actually witnessing all the phases of the moon compressed. It usually takes almost 30 days, 29 and a half days, compressed into about three or four hours. So it's an acceleration. To me, it's like a, a time acceleration that's happening. So it's like whatever you're holding in intention can get accelerated at that time, um, at the time of a, of a total lunar eclipse. And I think these eclipses are visible in the U.S. Um, these two that are coming up, the last, the two last year were visible. And I think yes. this next year. We're in a big culmination. Yes, new beginning, but also there's a big culmination happening now as well. So what's the historical significance of a tetrad or blood uh, moon, the four blood moons in a row, so those eclipses from what do you know uh, historically yeah, about you know, the, <laughs> There is so much information out there and lots of different things and a lot of dire predictions. Um, and a lot of times um, in some ancient cultures, people weren't excited about um, any kind of eclipse. They thought they were dangerous. Yeah. Don't um, you think it's a consciousness, though, with well, how yeah. you respond to uh, exactly. how you focus the energy? Here's the thing about a total lunar eclipse. The Earth comes between the sun and the moon. So what we're seeing is the shadow of the Earth on the face of the moon. So basically we're looking at our own shadow in a total mm. lunar eclipse. And uh, I think that probably the reason that they got a bad... Um, rap in the past was people weren't into looking at their shadow. They didn't want to see it. <laughs> and when that's coming up, it's not an easy place to be. So um, it's n it is not easy looking at your shadow. It but is not. I think it's you know I think you know it, it, to look at your shadow is to become empowered and to uh, that's a first step towards having peace and prosperity in the. On, in the in the world, you know, is people owning their shadow. And Carl Jung talked about that. He did. He said, unless, until we make the conscious, unconscious conscious, it's what's ru ruling us. It's, it drives our choices. It's it, you know, and so our process of, of liberation and freedom is to um, make the unconscious conscious, or to shine the light on the unconscious and integrate it, so that we become empowered. Yes. Which is a big part of the Pluto process. Uh, Uranus is about awakening, but Pluto is really about how do we integrate our shadows so that we're no longer at the effect of it, so that mm -hmm. we become empowered and it becomes our medicine, it becomes our yes. strength. Yes. Uh, so that's the opportunity that we're facing, and a lot of people are feeling pretty challenged right now because it's and it's it can be scary. It's like, ugh, yes. I know I I there's times where I'm like, really, I have to do this again. But <laughs> that's like, that's, that's, that's the soul's want to. journey. That yeah. is the soul's journey to become yeah. empowered and to really become the soul that you you are potentially 
is this, to face the dragon, is to tame the dragon, to have self-mastery. Yeah, and, the, and to have wholeness too because yes. whatever parts we're in denial of, whatever we're not looking at or trying to put aside or pretend isn't there, um, is, is, it's, it, it actually has strength and power because we have to put a lot of energy into yes. Uh, not looking at it, and, and you're going to uh, see it somewhere. It's going to—it's like that beach ball. Debbie yeah. Ford talked about the It'll beach ball. Up. You keep pushing the beach ball down, you know, but it's right. going to pop up. You know, right. it's going to yeah. reveal itself in, itself some, in way. some way. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so the so bringing the consciousness to light and and the places that we maybe maybe there are greatest strengths. Maybe there are things that we really mm -hmm. are good at, but that for some reason scare us. So it's not always the things like we might be ashamed of or feel guilty about or whatever that's about. Sometimes it's the place where we need to step mm -hmm. up and bring that into the world because it's our gift to bring yes. and it scares yes. us. That's a, that's a good way to frame it, to see it yeah. as a gift. Yes. So. And I'm very interested, you know, to now look ahead and see what's happening after we get past this uh, opening square, you know, after that initiation point between Pluto and Uranus back in the 60s. Now we have this first opening square, you know, finishing that up. Now we're going to have, you know, we're going to go, we're moving towards an opposition between Uranus and Pluto. Yeah, that's a few and, um, years down the road. <laughs> yeah, that's quite, a, that's quite a ways down the road. But, right. Right. It's uh, right. I think right now where we're at, we're actually setting things up how that's going to go. I think we're always kind of making choices that set set us up for how we experience things in well, the future. Truly, and if we think, if we realize that we're at a turning of an age, and there's some, so that we're at the we're at a seed point anyway. And any new moon is a seed point. A new moon eclipse is like a super new moon seed point. A new moon eclipse at perigee actually magnifies and amplifies that even more. So this time coming up is hugely important, plus Uranus-Pluto being so active at this particular time. So we're really kind of at a time where, where we have an opportunity to be conscious of how we're setting the stage. Yes. Going forward, yes. and then and when and if we're clear, I mean, we don't even have to be totally clear. <laughs> we just have to have a sense of like, to me, it's like if I can just be in my heart, and I can just be in a place of uh, I'm here to be a point of love on the planet, a point of love and light. Um, and if I don't know what else to do, I can at least do that, and then I'll hopefully be guided in whatever else is mine to do. Uh, that'll be made clear as a result. But that's that's always a good intention to to work with at a time like this. And then, of course, there will be more because there's always more. I'm always thinking, wow, this is the most exciting thing ever. And then something else comes along. So yes, uh, you yes. know, yes. Uh, we'll we'll. We're not. I know we're not done with these amazing events that are helping us to really. We're you know we're helping to dream the new cycle, a new twenty six thousand year cycle, a new Earth, a new way of being yes. in harmony and co creation with each other, and creating safe place for us all to be who we are and to work in cooperation and collaboration. Yes. And um, that's our opportunity right now. So um, those are the things that I'm always dreaming into and and wondering and and asking myself is how can I be a part of that. Wonderful. That's wonderful. So tell us. Tell us about um, your uh, free celestial timings and how, how people can get the March timings for free this month. So if, they, if anybody goes to my website, um, they can, uh, there's a link on the front homepage that you can click on and that you can get the whole entire written version of the March timings, 18 pages, star maps, daily look at what's going on in the sky. Um, and part of what inspired me to start doing this is that uh, it, I think to have wholeness, for us to be realize our wholeness once again, it's a, a connection to the earth and the sky. There's a relationship between what's happening on the earth and what's happening in the sky, as above, so below, as below, so above. In fact, the opening lines of the um, Emerald Tablets says, that which is in the great above is the same as that which is in the great below. And that, what is in the great below, is the same as that which is in the great above. 
and the and in the accomplishment of the miracle of one thing. It's a, a bringing the two together, our understanding and relationship. And then when we know that miracles happen, wholeness, we, we return to wholeness because we need both, <laughs> not just one and not just the other. And so I feel, uh, anyway, so I started writing daily and it, it taught me so much because I really learned a lot about the, the cycles. And if you read them over time, um, the celestial timings every day, I have people that tell me they do. Uh, they, you know, you learn about how the cycles work and, um, you know, what's happening and also it's a great way to stay connected and, and working with it for yourself personally. So anyway, I also have an audio version so that you can access from, from that link as well. But I, so I do audios and written version every month for people. And um, I, it, this is my birthday month, <laughs> so I gave them away as, a, as my birthday gift to everybody this month. So um, I hope people will take advantage of that because they are pretty amazing. And I will say that I do give the technical version. So some people have trouble with that because they don't really want to know what it is that's happening. But I do that for the people who do want to know. So you can just skip over that part and go to the interpretation. And, um, and it's just a suggested interpretation. It's a way for you to begin your own connection. Mm -hmm. Because ideally, mm -hmm. we want to have our own relationship with these mysteries. And what I say is my you know what I get about it but it doesn't mean that's what you're going to get about it or what it is for you but it does give you a starting place yeah it's general it's a general and from your perspective so yeah it's wonderful yeah. so alright so and you also have a special offer for everyone watching today's show uh, for a session with you yes um, so if people contact me they can email me um, then um, uh, about a session I, I I will include a year of the celestial timings with the session. I have a special rate that is not advertised on my um, on my website. So um, I'll I'll give you the information about that. I'll send them that information. So, so where are, where are you? Where are you? Come back on the screen. Oh no! Did I disappear? You um, disappeared. Oh, sorry. Uh, That's okay. There you are. You're coming oh, back. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Okay. I don't know what I did, but I don't. And I don't know how I got myself. Okay. That's okay, you're back. So. All right, that's cool. All right, um, so, um, so I wanted to see if there are any uh, questions uh, people are posting here. Do you have any questions? So please post your questions uh, for us here so Kaylin can answer any questions you have. That was a lot to take in, I know. I know, it was a lot. But, um, yeah, so... Um, um, I, I just, the only question I'm seeing here right now is from Anjali. Uh, I hope I got the pronunciation right. And um, uh, they're asking uh, about guidance from, for the, you know, the power, powerful energies. Do you work with angels? They're asking specifically about uh, angels to work with during this time. Do you work with uh, angels uh, I, I do myself um, and and actually there are four angels connected to four royal stars um, and uh, uh, those stars are um, Antares, Aldebaran, um, uh, Regulus, the heart of the lion and um, and uh, Fomalhaut which is in the um, southern fish, Pisces fish. Pisces. And, yeah, and they're in the four different parts yeah, of the sky. Neptune is still pretty close to Fomalhaut right now. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. And so um, th there's archangels that have been associated with them. Archangel Uriel, or Ariel, depending on what tradition you're working with, is connected to Antares, the heart of the scorpion. And that's where Saturn is about to cross over very soon. So that star is going to be very active. Um, and in fact, the moon is passing by there right now. Mm -hmm. um, as we speak, the moon is there, and Saturn will be catching up um, later next year, probably at the end of this year and early next year. It'll be um, it's you can see it there in the head of the Scorpion, but not visible anyway. So, and Uriel is the one who taught Enoch, and he actually um, in the book in the piece of Enoch took Enoch out to the cosmos and taught him about the cycles and the planets and how all that worked and so on. So, Uriel's a really great. Um, Archangel to tune into. Antares is a great star to tune into with that as well. Um, opposite of Antares is Aldebaran. It's, so it's, they're exactly opposite each other. And Antares the happens bull to be of the, the, the horns of the bull, right? In that it's, it's actually the eye of the, the bull. The eye of the bull. Okay. 
And um, Antares is around 10 degrees Gemini right now, and so um, Aldebaran's about 10, I mean, Sagittarius, and Antares is 10 degrees Gemini. So there's, you know, one one's rising, the other one's setting. Um, so they're opposite, and I always think of them as like a portal, a stargate portal together, and that's connected to Archangel Michael. And I think of um, the eye of the bull is how we perceive, so it's the heart. What degree is that? Do you have an, is there a degree associated? A degree of, within Aldebaran? Yes. 10 degrees Gemini. Okay. For Aldebaran, yeah. And um, uh, so the um, Archangel Michael is the one that's connected to that. And then, and so if we have the eye of the bull, we've got the connection to the mind. We have the heart of the scorpion, we have the connection to the heart. So it's that heart-mind connection, and they're on an axis together. So I think that's that's pretty awesome. Then there's um, Fomalhaut, which is the southern Pisces fish, and that is connected to Archangel Gabriel, and that star marks the mouth of the fish, and Gabriel was the messenger. So that's the um, so what are the messages that are coming in? And of course, with Neptune still kind of near that part of the sky, that's um, I, I've thought about that. And Chiron was there a few years ago. Um, what are the messages that are coming in for us? Um, listening to that. And then Regulus, also another heart star, heart of the lion, uh, is connected to Archangel Raphael, who's the healing angel. And what degree is that? That is at zero degrees Virgo. And, uh, yeah. And, and Jupiter will cross over that. Uh, very what, soon. In August or very, yeah. Yeah, yeah in August, Jupiter's going to be there. So that'll amplify and magnify that star energy, very, it's very cool. If you, in fact, you can see right now, um, if you look in the sky, you know, it's like, here's, um, well, first, if it's coming up in the east, there's Jupiter, and then there's um, Regulus, and then they kind of track across the sky, and in the morning, you'll see them, like, opposite mm -hmm. each other, and mm -hmm. it's pretty cool. And so, um, Jupiter's uh, um, re retrograde, but will go, re uh, go direct and then come back over, and by August, we'll be with that star. Yeah, very, Wonderful. very exciting. Yeah, wonderful. wonderful. Yeah. So, well, I'm not, I'm not seeing any other. There, we have people on, but nobody's asking questions. Maybe they feel full up. From <laughs> I understand. Uh, delivered. So, well, yeah. I do want to welcome everyone. It, it, I, I think you said I, can't, I asked you. I don't know if I ever got a. Is it okay if people leave questions for you below the video where this gets posted oh, on yes, YouTube? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And then you are you can answer any questions that might come up after you know when the replay is happening and people can you know ask you questions and connect. Yes. Okay. I'll, okay. I'll do my best to keep track of that too to go make sure I um, look. Well, I'll you know if I see anything posted, send it to me. I'll let, I'll let you know. I mean, you can take note over the next week or so, and then after that, I'll let you know if anything shows up. Okay. How okay. about that? That sounds like a plan. Okay, okay. So, so thanks to all of you for joining us for this special episode of Conversations to Enlighten and Heal with my guest, Kaylin Castell. Remember to, to subscribe to KG Styles' channel so you never miss a show. My next conversation show, a fire, fireside chat with angels with angel intuitive Michelle Patterson will be next Wednesday, March 18th at 12 noon Pacific time. The Pisces Super New Moon Solar Eclipse is on March 20th, uh, right after that show, so it's a good preparation for that. I'll also be posting a show about the astrology of the spring eclipse season and the Libra full moon lunar eclipse uh, that occurs on April 4th Pacific time, so stay tuned for that. Have a beautiful day, everyone. A warm mahalo. Much love to you. Wishing you happy days always. Thanks again, Kaylin. It's been a pleasure having you with us. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me and, and my um, uh, just gratitude for the opportunity to share these mysteries and I hope everyone is inspired and will um, uh, engage with this equinox time. I know I am inspired. I'm, I'm inspired to go even deeper into the mysteries, so thank you. You're so welcome. Okay. okay, so until next time, relax, enjoy your life, and stay connected. <laughs>